Ian and Black would talk smack podcast. My guest today, Zach Gerber. Hey, man. Zach, how are you, man? I'm fantastic. I'm really, really good. The sun is shining. The sky is blue. Summer is here. Summer is here. Almost here. Almost here. Technically, it's whatever. You We're know enjoying what? I, it. Already, I want to say something. Summer. The, the worst thing about summer is that the longest day is the first day of summer. Right. But then it reverses that the shortest day of the year is the first day of winter. So when you're sad about short days and it's now winter, they immediately start getting longer. So philosophical. <laughs> uh, I remember it every year. <laughs> for those who don't know Zach, Mr. the young Zach Gerber, a uh, dear friend of mine, he wears many jackets. He's a guitar and stage technician for a band Walk Off the Earth. Uh, he's an audio engineer. He's, um, he's a, a, an up-and-coming music producer. He's a he's a he's a mixer, mix engineer. He's a front of the house mixer. Like Zach, you do so many things, um, especially when it comes to audio and it comes to music and bands. Um, talk. I want to talk the backstory, man. What were you doing before any of this stuff? Uh, like many young people, my first job was a paper route. Nice. And oh I crushed one of them, and then I wanted more money, so I crushed two of them, nice. and then. Two is a lot, and I hated it, so I crushed one of them again. <laughs> Did you ever do... I, I mean, I was a paper route boy growing up, too. I think I, I had my first paper route when I was like nine or ten. Did you ever do... like? I, so I would do the... Um the before school paper route. Did you have that one, the super early one? No, did I, I did. I did. Um, I, this is a long time or ago. I think, I think it was Tuesday, Thursdays, and Fridays that I delivered. Okay. And nice. I delivered after school. Nice. I did those, too. There was one for a little while where a buddy of mine was like, hey, he, he had like the tip. He had the tip on how to get a little bit more money, and we would be the spectator, but you would deliver it super early in the morning before you go to school. Ah. And it was like, but it was like, it was, it was the jam. You got like way more money. That was the first hustle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So paper root kid. Okay. And so then I, what after that? I did that. And then um, I moved on to be an aquatic engineer, which means I washed dishes at a restaurant. <laughs> Wow, that is a really classy, like high-end way of saying right. you were just a dish, right. an aquatic engineer. I scrubbed <laughs> food off of people's plates, but I was an aquatic engineer. Where did you get that aquatic engineer? Who told uh, you some, that? Someone at the restaurant told me. <laughs> They're like, no, just tell people you're an aquatic engineer. <laughs> Everyone will be impressed. Oh my God, that is genius. <laughs> so I did that, and then I moved into uh, cooking, and I worked restaurants for, I think, six or seven years. And I spent one year driving forklift as well. Nice. In the Loblaw distribution warehouse. Loblaw, of course, is the uh, one of the big major grocery chains in Canada. Yeah. Um, nice. Good for you. So, I mean, you know, you were just, you were just a young guy, young buck, doing what you had to do, making a, making a bit of bread. Yeah. Making a bit of cake. Learning too. So you could uh, play, I mean, you played in a bunch of uh, like little punk bands and from yeah. Cambridge. Cambridge's hometown to you. Hometown. A lot, of, a lot of punk rock, a lot of emo and screamo coming out of that little town. Um, nice. And then I guess you were working restaurant jobs while you were still in bands though, right? Like you were still kind of like yeah, swinging the, away at both. The, the great thing about at least the restaurants I worked at is most of my bosses were pretty cool with me taking time off to to focus on music when I had to, to, you know, go record a record at a studio mm -hmm. or, you know, go do a number of shows on a weekend or whatever. You can usually, I think a restaurant is a, a laxed enough environment that you can get away with being like, hey, I know the weekend's busy, but I'm not going to be here. <laughs> like, so that I can go play for 12 people in Ingersoll. <laughs> but hey, yeah. <laughs> Again, we talk about those... Um, 
those character building years. They are amazing. They're Pay, some of the, paying your your dues on the road. Yeah, and, they're some of my favorite years of my life. And you learn you learn so much just by doing. You just have to do, and then you figure it out. So, um, so okay, you, you go from <laughs> when. You go from aquatic engineer, right, to sound engineer, <laughs> but it wasn't an overnight thing. It was no, it was a progression, right? You started. Um, I mean, well, we we met, and you were a fan of the band I played in at the time, and we stayed in touch. And you actually worked in my studio for a while. Mm-hmm. Zach was uh, a right hand man to me. He was um, somewhat of a pseudo intern. We made some pretty badass records. We made some great records, man. Yeah, and. Um, and then one day I decided uh, I, I was working at the time for Walk Off the Earth, um, the Canadian sensation, internet sensation, musical act. And uh, I had a bit of a mental breakdown. Um, to, as, as, you, as you can have on as, the road. Yeah. And uh, I decided that it, the, the job wasn't for me anymore. And I said, I knew a young buck, an, an up-and-coming aquatic engineer, that uh, I knew he was looking for a, a different type of uh, gig. Did I ever tell you when, when you called me with that phone call from Europe, I was sitting on the toilet before going to work. And it was like six in the morning because you were in Europe and I was in America. I, is that what I said? That, I did that. You, you were sitting here in, in Canada, in North America, and I'm over there in, in Germany. And I did that. Eh? I think it was. A, I think it was a desperate um, FaceTime or something like that. Yeah, you're like, I need to. I need to handle this right now. And you <laughs> called me, and I was up anyway. And apparently, you needed to handle something right at that moment. <laughs> I, too. I was. I was in the middle of handling something. <laughs> and yeah, I was up, and I. I was just like, why is Ian calling? <laughs> What was the what was the initial thought when I when I asked you because I, I what I just to to clarify for the podcast and uh, podcast people in video world uh, listeners and everything um, I had decided that I just was at a point in my life where I couldn't really do this type of work anymore where we were on the road all the time and walk off the earth were getting so huge and the press tour got so big and I was just running myself ragged and I knew that it, if where I was in my life. Um, I just wasn't fit for the job anymore, but I knew that Zach was going to be the perfect young buck to get in there, learn, and you know, get his feet wet. And um, what uh, what did you think at first when I asked you about the gig, dude? It scared the shit out of me. Yeah, okay. yeah, I was terrified, and I don't know if you remember. I think there was this like awkward two week period where I didn't really give you an answer. And you're like, hey, like, so about that yeah, thing. Yeah, I think I vaguely, vaguely remember it. But yeah. I think I also knew you were just, you know, maybe being, you, you were just trying to figure it out. Well, yeah, like, it was, it was this weird juxtaposition where I knew that I wanted to go on tour. Right. But all of a sudden, it was from not really doing it to such a massive scale. It's right. like, hey, you know, there was, there was no stepping stone between, you know, not really touring to, hey, you're going to go on tour in Europe and in Asia and, you know, all over the States and America. And I was just like, uh, okay. <laughs> well, and I, I guess too, in the fact that like, this was a different version of what you were doing. You were playing in a band at the time and touring with bands. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, you, you become a technician, you become a very technical hand. You're not really a musician as much as you are, uh, you know, a, a pack rat or a loader or a technician. So it becomes a sort of different version of what you were doing. Is that correct? It carries a very different set of responsibilities. Right. And that's not to downplay the musicianship in any way. No, no. Because no. obviously the musicianship is is what we're all there for. Absolutely. Um, but It's a different world, though. We but can, you yeah. carry a whole different level of responsibilities mm-hmm. when, you know... You're, you're responsible for making sure 
the musicians can just focus on being musicians. Right, right. and be comfortable. And yeah. It's the worst feeling when something you do as a tech throws off the vibe of their right. gig. That's like the worst feeling in the world. And I guess that was something you sort of, did you foresee that like those were your worries, your type of worries? No, not really. You? I hadn't even gotten to that yet. Okay. I was just like, wow, that's a big thing. <laughs> that's scary. And whoa. <laughs> A lot for an aquatic aquatic engineer uh, it, to take. It, in it, it, uh, it blew my aquatic engineer brain. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. So, but um, so I had mentioned to the band that I I got the guy for the job for you. I can't do it. And then uh, they said, okay, we'll bring him on board and you can train him and then we'll see. Um, when you when you officially got the gig, what did it feel like for our walk off the earth? What did it feel like? It was a ton of fun. Yeah. Um. The when I started with them, you know. They they weren't where they are now, mm. um, and so we were. It was we were still touring around in like a van and trailer, which is you know the the punk rock kid dream. Mm-hmm. And so once once I kind of figured out what the job was and what I needed to do, it was the most fun. And I didn't know anything about it when I when I got into it. I remember my very first gig was in Nashville, and I walked into the green room. And there was all this food and everyone was eating. And I was like, oh, where did the food come from? And the tour manager at the time was like, that's the rider. You eat that so you don't die. (laughs) And I was like, that's amazing. (laughs) We get fed now? Whoa. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it was, and it, it was, it, it, it was, and still is so much fun. I mean, it must've been a cool, uh, way to watch the band develop because they, they were still at a quite a big state you were in a van and trailer but you guys were doing more so fly out stuff here and there tons so, of it yeah. yeah you know like or they'd go to Europe you'd be on a bus um, even when I was with the band and when they exploded overnight it was like well overnight saying like because of the, the um, Goche song but um, we were in a bus and yeah uh, it, it just it must have been cool to see it and then now it's gotten to a point because you you're, you just come back you've just come back from uh, North America and Europe mm-hmm. and it was one of the biggest if not I, I think it was. It would have, yeah. yeah, for, for those biggest, markets. Yeah, yeah that they, they've done, right? And Asi- aside from festival season right, in Europe, course. which is a whole different animal. <laughs> different, yeah, different beast, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, add, add 50,000 plus onto the top plus, of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it must have been cool though, to, to watch and, and grow with it, right? Like it's It's been amazing. And one of the best things about it is being able to learn what it takes to be a, su- a successful band, a successful enterprise. Mm-hmm. What what that takes the the amount of dedication and attention to detail and camaraderie that that requires has been an education in and of itself outside of what it means to be a technician or to be a musician it, the the learning process has just been insane and i'm so blessed to have been able to to learn as much as i have and now the shows are huge i mean we go over and you know we do small arenas all through france and the shows just get bigger and bigger and bigger and the the opportunities become cooler and cooler and cooler that's amazing take take us through like a little bit of a day of like uh morning afternoon evening like when you get to a venue you break it down and then you up to when you pack it up what's it like Uh, yeah so um we usually arrive, depending on how long the drive the night before is, we usually arrive anywhere between 7 and 9 a.m. Okay. Um, Probably barely slept. No. Well, when I started, I didn't sleep. Yeah. Because I was like, I'm 19. I'm on tour. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> um, now then you hit like, 25 and you're like, now, okay. <laughs> now I'm 25. I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, I got like a 12-hour day tomorrow. I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> I better get some sleep. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but okay, so you slept all right then. You yeah, pull up so, to the venue. Well, I mean, sleeping on a tour bus is amazing for me because you just crawl into these little baby bunks okay. and they're just like black sleeping pods. <laughs> and <laughs> nice. I find that so relaxing. Mm. Um, but yeah, we usually um, get into the venue at nine or 10 o'clock and usually there's a little bit of time to drink some coffee, eat some food ahead of, you know, from the rider. Ahead from of, <laughs> the rider, which you are supposed to eat, which is ahead nourishment. Of, yeah, ahead of loading. Um, and then we usually load in at 10 o'clock. Um, and it's about anywhere between four and five hours before sound check. And usually that's, you know, we work that whole time uh, setting the stage. Um, and then sound check happens. And then after that, uh, there's usually a little bit of work, but not too much. Um, that's, you know, an opportunity for me to switch whatever guitar strings I still need to switch or just catch up on those little things. Um, and then, you know, there's an hour or two in the afternoon to eat. I usually like to shower in that time because once I'm done with the gig at night, I don't want to have to do anything. Right. Um, I used to shower after the gig, but I kind of like showering before it now because as soon as that truck door closes, the responsibilities are gone and that's Ah. an amazing feeling. So shows, you know, nine o'clock ish, give or take, you know, what the venue is and what the show is. Um, 90 minute set. So that takes you to 1030 and a loadout for us is about an hour now. An hour now. Okay. So, and what was there like a time when you guys were like an hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes and you're like, okay, we got to I did, I did one, one horrible show in Barry where it took us four hours to load out. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That sounds like a bad dream where you're trying to dial a phone number and you keep dialing the last number it, wrong. It was a bad dream <laughs> that just kept happening. What ha- was it just like bad? It was Tetris or Well, it was it was a number of things. There were people that logistically there were people that had to leave right. and we were subbing out people for, you know, because people were away doing other stuff. Uh, okay. And the venue was really really small and then all of the people from the venue just kind of disappeared. And so there was like a core group of like a very small amount of us just kind of like one by one um. dragging a case out of the venue, putting it on the truck. <laughs> but I guess, did you guys have like a meeting about that? And you're like, okay, we got to get better at this. And then eventually. Did you yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, this is the, f- this, this last set of tour was the first tour that we got it down to an hour, oh, which amazing. we're all proud of. And it doesn't work out that way every night, but right. usually it doesn't go any longer than an hour and a half. If we're if it's an hour and a half, it's like, shit, we had a bad night. I think I saw a video on social media of you throwing the last piece of gear into the truck or something <laughs> on like that. On the last show on of the, the tour. Last show. Yeah, and yeah. everyone was like, yeah. Like, and I didn't even plan that, and I like I just turned around and like kind of <laughs> blind chucked it, and it just fell into this little <laughs> hole in the truck perfectly, and I was like... <laughs> I'm going to go home now. <laughs> it's like chariots of fire turn on. It went dun, 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 dun. That's amazing. Yeah, it was a good moment. Um, I want to talk a little bit about other artists you work with because you've worked with some pretty cool artists other than Walk Off the Earth. I have. Um, you've had the the chance to do some tech work for Serena Ryder. Mm-hmm. You did some tech work with uh, uh, the uh, another Canadian act called USS. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a country fellow. that you've, Tim Hicks. Tim Hicks. That's He's great. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Serena Ryder, though, I remember hearing uh, you said something. There was a story... You guys had met on a walk off the earth promo press tour or something like that. Yep. And but then there was you, you told me a story once about her. Um, I think you you know you got home from tour or something like that. Something happened. It came out of the blue, and they called you out of nowhere, and they needed you right, to help. Yeah. What, let's talk that story a little bit. I was working um, what is known in the industry as a production gig, which means I was just working for a company who facilitated the logistics of tech, like PA and lights and that sort of thing for. Uh, an event and this particular event was um, 
a like a yearly native celebration. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it was really really fun. Um, but their head act um, canceled like the day before the gig. Oh, that's great. And so everyone went scrambling, and um, we I I knew Serena sort of from this press run that we had done, and um, they flew her in very very last minute, and I got a call from her guitar tech, and he's like. Hey man, I was like, hey, and he's like, so what amp's there? And I was like, this is the amp, and he's like, cool. So set it like this. Oh and my goodness! So he's like, I'm not showing up. Yeah, no, no, it was it was just her that flew in. He's oh like, my okay, goodness. cool. So you know, it, JCM 800, great. Okay, so set it like this. And I remember actually very specifically, he's like, point every knob straight up. Straight. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, sure, 800. Cool. Yeah. Cool. That's great. That's easy. And he's like, these are the two guitars she's going to use. These are the tunings. This is what she wants you to do. And I was like, okay, great. And I didn't even see her before she went on stage. She literally walked onto the stage from one side and I walked on from the other side with her guitar and I handed her her guitar and then she played a song and then I gave her her other guitar and then she played a song and then she gave that guitar back to me and then I didn't see her. (laughs) She was just in and out because she flew in from another tour. Right. So she had minutes to be there oh my goodness and i guess she was there with her band was there too though right it was just no it's just her oh my God. it was just her <laughs> talking about pressure man yeah did but you ever think was... that did you ever think that kind of stuff was going to show up in this career like one day no no one told me that you're gonna have to think on your feet the way forgot, that you do i forgot to tell you zach <laughs> sorry yeah i mean half of your job is being able to um handle just weird stuff problem solving on the fly right and the best thing i ever heard on that sort of thing is it's a it's a saying that um alludes to a mentality i don't deal in problems i deal in solutions yeah amazing and you have to think that way because it's like okay this is an issue yeah um we can either focus on the issue and how that sucks or we can just skip that part and start talking about how we're going to fix it yeah and I mean, I I always see, I feel it's like a very rock and roll punk rock thing. You, you, my my sister Sarah used to say it all the time is punk rockers are some of the some of the world's best problem solvers. In that you just you, yeah you, you gotta you know you, you're handed you handed lemons you gotta make lemonade. But mm-hmm. um, no, it's true, man. That's good. That's a good little tidbit there. Yeah. Uh, okay. I want to I want to ask you. I want to I want to talk about like let's talk craziest tour story. Okay. I'm sure you have many. Yeah. There's. There's tons, but let's you know let, let's try to let's try to um, dig one out. Okay, well on the topic of Serena Ryder, yeah, um, we did Canada 150 last year. That's right. And yeah. Serena Ryder was there. Um, that's the only part of the story that involves Serena Ryder. That's fine. <laughs> it's a bit uh, of a segue, and yeah. now we're done. Yeah, and now we're done the segue, <laughs> and now here's the story. <laughs> um, so that gig was insane because there was so many moving portions and so many people doing different things and so many bands and celebrities and, um, just, it was, it was, it was a nutty one. Um, and so we got in the day we got in the day before, but didn't get to set up our stuff until the day of. And, um, I was, you know, so I was there setting up the drums on my little designated drum space, my little riser, and Your safe space, my safe space, my Zach <laughs> Your zone, designated safe space, my Zach zone, <laughs> Your Zach zone, nice. <laughs> um, and you know, me being me, I decided I should go get another cup of coffee because 
I love coffee. Of course. And it's I don't exactly know. what you should be doing. And I, it, it's just like, I, when I get into a work mode, I just want to drink coffee. So I disappeared for literally all of 45 seconds yeah. to go get another cup of coffee. And I'm on my way back and I'm, you know, leisurely strolling through the backstage, sipping my cup of coffee. Uh-huh. And I look up and there's a camera <laughs> right in my face. And I was walking through this live interview with Sandra O. Oh. oh, perfect. That was being broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Yeah. And lo and behold, who was watching the interview other than Joel's dad, Joel the drummer from Walk Off the Earth, uh, and he was recording the whole broadcast and screenshotted me walking through oh. this thing and sent it to I think to I jo- actually do remember seeing this. And <laughs> sent it to Joel and Joel just circulated the whole thing around everyone we knew. Oh my God. This picture of me sipping a coffee right in between the interviewer and Sandra. <laughs> Did anyone say anything or are you just like, oh yeah, immediately. <laughs> the, the rest of the day became about that. I met... The prime minister that day, and that wasn't even the big story. <laughs> oh my god, I love that! Like that, that moment vetoes meeting the prime minister of Canada. Yeah, it just vetoes it. Yeah. Um, and so, continuing the saga. Yeah. Showing up to our first day of rehearsal for this last two months of tour. Right. Um, I start seeing all these like weird shirts and hats and you know the image is really kind of blurred and distorted and I'm like what's what's going on with that and then our production manager in front of house guy Dan walks up with this mug and takes a big sip out of this coffee mug and then sets it down and on the case in front of me and it's the screenshot of my <laughs> face in the interview oh, man. and he had printed it he went on a huge vista print spree and printed <laughs> it on mugs on hats on shirts uh hundreds of stickers uh we left a zach sticker in every venue we visited on this last set of two. Oh my god um, dude that is amazing he also made a puzzle <laughs> how many pieces was it uh like 25 it was small <laughs> that's still awesome yeah we gave it to our truck driver in europe who was amazing and then his dog ate it oh there you go <laughs> dude i love the tour antics man it's always so fun when like you know you you're already having, you know, it's work, but at the same time, it's awesome to like, you know, slide in some of that fun and like, you have to, you have to, right. You have to, yeah, because it'll just get dry, boring and people will just start hating each other. Yeah. Yeah. So you do things to keep it fun. The other, the other running tour joke is that you look for opportunities to smack someone or something out of someone's hands, just like fully just anything? Their whole, like, you usually don't do it with drinks because okay. that's really messy and right. there's a lot of expensive equipment around, but right. you have to yell tour bully when you do it. So oh, you okay. slap something out of your hand and you go, tour bully! <laughs> <laughs> and then just keep on going. That's amazing. <laughs> whoever like the, Trey of granola bars. Yeah, whoever there tour is bully. just left to be like, ugh. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. We keep it fun. Well, we were talking a little bit just before we started doing the podcast and um, you have just sort of officially unofficially opened your studio. Yeah. I, I like to th- I like it. to think of it as a grand reopening. Grand reopening, yeah. Cuz okay. I've been I've been working out of, you know, a, you know, my space for a while. Yeah. Um but, but now I you just, got officially your own, your I own just, spot. I just moved it into a new building. I moved it into the Ebolt Music Building. We'll plug there. You can look up Ebolt. And this is in Cambridge. It's in Cambridge, Ontario. It's Canada. on Main Street in Galt. 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 Galt is like a 
subsidiary of Cambridge. It's the small, t- right? It's inside or whatever. Well, so I, I mean, if if you want to, if you want the the super Coles Notes history, yeah. Um, Cambridge is three cities that amalgamated: Galt, Hespeler, and Preston. So there's actually technically three downtowns in Cambridge. Okay. Um, and I'm in downtown Galt. Um, which is one of the three cities that amalgamated to be Cambridge. It's a very well-educated uh, aqua, aqua <laughs> aquatic, aquatic engineer. Aquatic engineer. <laughs> well, you have to be to be an aquatic engineer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you've opened you've opened the new spot. You're in the new spot. And you've opened up, and um, yeah, my first session is tomorrow. Nice, which could be any time because this will air, and who knows? But it doesn't matter. Yeah, your session I is can tomorrow. Still be excited. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, that's awesome. So. Um, and I mean, we were talking a little bit that you, you've been getting your hands on some pretty cool gear. You've got some of my gear, um, mm-hmm. which thanks. is awesome hey, gear. Thanks. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, that's what, <laughs> that's what brothers do. They that's hook each other. Do, yeah. Um, but what's the vibe in the building? Are you pretty excited? You got your own little, you It's know? awesome. Um, it's, it's, uh, the people, the, the, the other people in the building are absolutely amazing. Nice. Um, it's also a, like a lesson building. So the Ebolt has around 200 students. Um, oh, great. you can, you can go there to take anything from drums, piano, uh, string instruments like cello, violin, ukulele, guitars, voice. Um, it's, it's, it's such an amazing community of creative people. Um, you're right in the middle of it. That's brilliant. Yeah. And here you are, someone one day goes, oh, you know, I was learning this song and I really wish I had a version of my own that I could record and you just yeah. got to go ding. Yeah, cool. Yeah, we Come can do that here. too. Yeah. You just have to walk down the staircase and then Dude, off you go. It's wicked. Um, and uh, I'm also going to be offering in the very new f- near future um, recording and Pro Tools lessons, which is cool. Dude. For people who want to learn how to record. That's amazing. And I think you were mentioning something about when we had... Um, we had a guest on for um, earlier episodes. Uh, his name's Ryan Gway. We had him on. Mm-hmm. I think you kind of had mentioned that he might be coming in to do a workshop. Is that what you're yeah, saying? He, yeah, he's coming. He's coming to school us, like nice. the staff. Nice. Um, so if you haven't listened to the Ryan Gway episode, go do it because it's yes. amazing. The guy is brilliant. He knows way more about the music industry than I do, and so he's coming in and giving us like a business education on how to leverage your product once you have it so nice. you you know you come in and you record the song okay now what what's the next step and ryan guay is like the next step guy it's, it's cool because he's not just a singer songwriter you know reggae extraordinaire as i call him he's also a books guy and like uh he's just he's he's a business guy he's so smart yeah i know i've always he's so so smart i've always um i've always sort of um envied that about him he was very yeah he's very savvy with that and very yeah. savvy with you know and radio tracking and all that stuff like he's yeah he's smart when it so comes our vision is to basically be a, a place that you can go where it's like hey like i have these songs that i wrote you know i want to record them and i want to you know i want to play them how do i do that and it's like okay cool well we can record your song we can shoot your music video we can book you shows we can show you how to put your music online we can help you out with that we can take care of marketing strategies we can do all those sorts of things and you can just launch and you can do it all from this one building it's perfect it's i mean it's it's kind of like a record label plus yeah you got a little bit of everything yeah management or maybe not management but you know it's a kind of management like pseudo kind management of. Of, in, yeah, in a way yeah how to orchestrate yourself and it's awesome man so i'm very excited about the whole thing it's going to be a lot of fun nice dude yeah Awesome. Uh, okay, I'm going to do this segment called The Shit I'm Into. Let's because, do it. Because, um, you know, I think we've had a good little chit-chat here, and uh, we'll just start wrapping things up. Uh, I chose a book, but I don't have the book in my hands. <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, I know you're a fan of Brian Cranston. 
Huge. Uh, Breaking Bad fan and uh, mm-hmm. Malcolm in the Middle. And anyway, I was I read Brian Cranston's book recently called The Life in Parts. Uh, it was recommended to uh, to me from a friend, and uh, I just I think he's got some of the craziest stories. Um, I mean, obviously, the Breaking Bad is a I think it's one of the greatest television shows ever, you know, conceived. Um, I think, uh, you know, Vince Gilligan is a genius. I love that there's a cool little, uh, uh, there's like a double Vince Gilligan moment in, uh, Brian's book. You know, he meets him in the past and then he ends up, you know, meeting him again and and getting requested again for this, uh, for the part in, um, Breaking Bad. But anyway, I, I love Krenson's book, A Life in Parts. I think people, not even non-actors, just people who like good reads, good bios, they should read it. He's got some pretty crazy stories, man. Yeah. Great read. Yeah, you, you liked it too, yeah? Yeah, you, you got me on it. It's funny, you you have a weird way of contacting me at like like the right moment. <laughs> it is weird, eh? <laughs> because you were like, dude, I'm reading this book. You have to read this book. It's this Brian Cranston book. And I was standing in a bookstore and it was the next aisle over. Oh, really? And I was like, cool, found it and I bought it. <laughs> so not every time I call you around the toilet. No, not every time. <laughs> I'm not. Sometimes you're in a bookstore. I'm not constantly on the toilet. (laughs) Well, Zach, let's uh, talk about the shit you're into. Um, What are you into, man? Uh, I want to do two things. I'm going to say one thing really, really fast. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to. I want to just say "Slight Edge" by Jeff Olson. I believe is the author. The best book for anyone that wants to do awesome things. Yeah, it's all about the little things that you can do every day to over. You know. The, the whole concept is if you did 10 push-ups every day for the next 20 years, how jacked would you be? You just have to do it for long enough. T- 10 push-ups, push-ups isn't hard. Obviously, the book goes more in depth, yeah, but yeah. I want to say that. And then um, you and I were talking earlier, and I, I want to talk about... Um, oh, mix- simple, sorry, simple decisions in, into, into massive success and happiness. The oh, yeah, you edge. got it right there? Yeah, The Slight Edge. Nice. Dude, if you haven't read that book, read that book. Jeff Olson. Um... Awesome. Okay, sorry. But I also want to say, I want to I want to talk about um, mixing on headphones because I listened to a podcast with a very very high level um, mix engineer and you know record guy Andrew Sheps. Nice um, Sheps. He's got his own plugins. He's, that guy's got his own plugins. He's yeah. I mean, well, that's that should be enough. He he yeah. waves makes plugins after his signal chains, yeah. and the guy has. If you look him up, he has more gear than what I thought was humanly possible. And by gear, I mean like the old stuff that's rack mounted, right. you know, and in the wall. Yeah. And in this podcast, he's like, yeah, I mix in the box on headphones what? now. Um, which I thought fascinating because there's this huge argument as to whether like, like monitoring and what monitors you should use. And he's like, yeah, screw it. I mix on headphones <sighs> because you know what? I know how they sound. Yeah. So, I thought that was interesting because another mentor of mine uh, taught me to finish my mixes on headphones Nice, because they're usually more high def than your reference monitors and Mm. you can hear more detail and it's really good for leveling out and figuring out how loud the vocal should be and how long a reverb tail should be and those sorts of finite minute things that make the, make the music magic. So I'm into mixing on headphones. Dude. If, if Andrew Sheps can do it, I can do it. That's wicked. Yeah. I, I've always been a fan of throwing on a set of cans after I think I got to mix the way I want it. I've always been a fan, but I've never even thought of like why I do it. And I've actually, now that I think about it, I'd love to do it more. That's badass. Man. Let me wicked. ask you a question. Yes. Why do you listen to a mix in a car? Uh, because it's something I did when I, uh, since I was young. 
but why is that the deciding factor? Uh, I don't know. I think it's... Um, because all cars sound different, so I don't know. Is it is it environmental? No. Is it because you're encapsulated? Um, I listen to... Because um, uh, pod- I like it? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, what it is, uh, I had somebody else on a podcast tell me this. You listen to so much music in your car. Mm. You know what a good mix sounds like in your car. Sure, yeah. Which totally kiboshes the whole, you have to put up acoustic baffling and have a referenced room. and Yeah, like, totally. Uh, because you do all of that... And then you take your mix to the car to find out if it's good. <laughs> Wait, so why don't we just start mixing in cars? Well, yeah, like why don't you just run a couple cables out and yeah, plug just it in? Monitors <laughs> just mix in a car, goddammit. Yeah, yeah. That's not that's, a bad idea. That's why the car reference works, because at least for me, I know what a good mix sounds like in my car. No, that's very true. It's, it's that silly question. If you ask like a small child something, they usually know the answer, and you ask an adult, they get brain fog and they think they have this crazy answer but that's yeah. just the answer it's because you listen to a lot of music i should i didn't even answer with that i should have but you know, i realize i, it I can't take the credit for that that's a that's a jordan valeria i think thing. i was just trying to think of like why would i do that but yeah that's totally yeah. right you listen to a lot of music. the thing is i don't listen to as much music as i used to in my car to be honest with you i listen to way more podcasts and talk radio nowadays because i just like the jibber jabber more than i love yeah. like, the loud ass music well, but no there was you, a point in my life you but. and me both um working in the music industry has actually worn me like when you work for tw- 10 12 hours a day on music yeah you don't necessarily hop into your car and put on a record no, anymore because you're like honestly it's the last oh thing my, you do. oh my gosh i've heard so much music today yeah i'd, I'd rather to be honest with you white noise or nothing sometimes i just have nothing and i just Dude, drive it's great new thing not putting anything on yeah imagine that it's glorious just listening to yourself think slowing down for a second no it's nice asking yourself about your day slight meditation maybe yeah, yeah it's it's super zen nice okay zach before we go you got any social media you want to plug yeah uh i am skytrack studios on instagram and i also want to plug uh ebolt music because that's a building i'm in and it's nice. amazing so you can search ebolt on anything and you'll find it um if you're in the area and you, you want to take lessons or you want to do recording, it's an amazing place to, to do both. And I highly recommend it. Awesome. Uh, Zach Gerber, thanks so much, dude. Thanks, man. It was a pleasure. Cheers, buddy. Woo!